So we have a, a, a great presenter here tonight, um, someone who knows a lot about um, quite a few things, as, as you'll find out to hear. She has quite a, a number of letters after her name, as we like to say. And uh, we're, we're happy that she can join us from Canada tonight. If you ever felt weighed down by the assumptions and expectations of those around you, you're certainly not alone. Our presenter tonight, Mina Puri, has learned through her own life's challenges how to break free from cultural conditioning. It's something we don't think about all that often, but this type of conditioning can cause us a great deal of pain and suffering. Tonight, we are proud to once again bring you one person's perspective, a person that we've learned from over the years, and we'd like to share her information with all of you. Please welcome Ina, Ayurvedic practitioner, certified meditation teacher, founder of the Ayurvedic Healing Center, and author of the number one bestseller, Healing Your Relationship with Food, The Ayurvedic Answer. All right, thank you, Mina, for being with us. Thank you so much. You guys are, you know, don't take me too seriously. It's a serious topic, but don't take me too seriously. <laughs> Again, like Ruth said, it's just um, my own, you know, life's experiences understanding and um, mostly working with uh, so many clients on these type of issues and what helps them. So, you know, as I was thinking about this topic, immediately a couple of stories rushed to my mind. And these stories, first story may seem like, like so off the wall to you, but it will make, I think, the point that I'm trying to make. So. The story is like this. Some of it is, you know, I have kind of created a context around it so I can um, make the point. So there was this lady uh, married into a family. She was married for a week and it must have been some kind of a, like a tribal community, like where this, there used to be communal marriages, I suppose, must be. So she says after a week to her mother-in-law, you know, it's been a week. I've been married a week. Can you tell me who my husband is? The mother-in-law looks at her baffled. She goes, you have what? You have the audacity? I've been married for 50 years and I still don't know who my husband is. So the point here I'm trying to make is how the whatever their custom, their ritual, the way of living was carried on and passed on for 50 years and no questions asked until someone asked actually like, who am I married to by the way? So that's, that's the cultural conditioning. And another story, there's a personal story that comes to my mind is I moved from India in my early teens. So in India, all I knew was arranged marriage. Um, I had no idea what dating was. So when I came here, I went to university and of course, you know, guys are around and one of the guys asked me out. I had no idea what that meant. And I told him, I said, well, I can't go out with you unless I know you're going to marry me. So that's 
that's all kinds of confusing in all kinds of ways. Even when I think about it, I'm like, wow, Mina, you were really out there. Like you had no idea what the heck you were doing. So that's cultural conditioning. So what I was trying to do, I was trying to like fit a square in a circle, different culture. I was trying to take the values from a culture. That's the only thing I knew. And I never knew there was something outside of what I knew. So I was trying to fit that into the new culture where there was a new, new norm, a new value system, and I couldn't figure out how to fit them together because frankly, they don't. So same thing happens, um, you know, even when we are living in the same culture, same country, same home, because we, we have values from when we were children, uh, however we were raised, and then we get into our adult years, you know, 40s and 50s, and we're carrying on with the same values, and we struggle to fit them into our evolved self. We try to fit them into the growth that we have made, and now the culture, even in the same country, has changed. So conditioning really is a way of living, a way of being that gets passed on and repeated enough times that it creates a groove in the mind where it then becomes a belief, a belief that we don't even know we have that belief. It belongs, it's, a, it's an unwritten rule. You don't question it. You just continue to do that because you think that's the only way to do. And one of the, you know, we are actually conditioned um, in everything in our life. And when I was in my living in my home in Milford, I was functioning my home. And during the functional learning, I've learned that, you know, how there's a mirror above the dresser. Actually, the mirror should not be in your bedroom at all. I had no idea. Never thought about it. And I, you know, I never even wondered. The mirror was just there. I didn't need it. I had a huge, big ass mirror in the bathroom. I didn't need so many mirrors. And so when I learned that, that's when I removed it. It never dawned on me that you don't need a mirror. You don't need to put it there. You can put it somewhere else. It's just that we, we become accustomed to a way of living, a way of thinking, a way of being where we don't even think to look outside. So when it comes to cultural conditioning, so I'm going to use the word cultural and societal conditioning. To me, it's really one and the same. Societal must be at a, perhaps at a larger scale, but you know, conditioning is passed on from a family to the offsprings, to the family members. It can go from family to the tribe, to the community, to the culture, to the society or it comes in from the society to the tribe, to the family, to the people. And that's why, you know, our, one of the things that I don't know if it is in your household, but you know, people will say, oh, what are people going to say? If I do this, if I dress like this, if I think like this, what are people going to say? And, you know, I always wonder, I'm like, who the heck are these people? Like, what people are you talking about? Nobody says anything, nobody really cares enough to say anything. I'm like, so it was just a, a belief that thought, oh, what are people going to say? And I'm still wondering who the heck those people are. And so what happens is that we, 
And it's very natural for us to groom or raise our children with our beliefs. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? You're allowed to raise your children the way you want to raise them with your values. It's only problematic when it no longer works. What happens with the conditioning that the grooves are so uh, deep that we continue to reinforce through uh, perhaps even through religion, we use the religion saying our religion allows, our religion does not allow. Actually, nobody actually read the religion book and see what it says. And also the funny thing is, the religion book is written by somebody who's telling you to refer to it, <laughs> okay? So I'm sorry, it's not an objective opinion. And so it, it continues to like, we continue to groom each other. People who are in our culture, in our society, we groom them very subtly, uh, but very powerfully in a way that they're mind becomes normalized to that way of thinking and that way of being. And so out of that grooming comes the definition of what is good, what's bad, what's good behavior, what's bad behavior, what you should do, what you should not do, what's a good daughter-in-law, what's a good mom, what's a good dad, right? So out of that comes the definition of what's good and what's not. So we're, we're really kind of getting really confused here. First of all, somebody formulated or, or thought about something that became a belief system that no one questioned. Then out of that unquestioned belief system comes the definition of good and bad. I mean, we're really now getting narrower and narrower and we don't question it. We, we walk away with it. And you know, what's so funny is that no, none of us, I don't think, were ever taught or groomed to under, you know, finding your joy. What brings you joy? How do you take care of yourself? Self matters. These things were just not taught. And I think it weren't taught if it's a collective cultural experience because I think the times were different where these kind of things were just not taught. They're like self-care, what are you talking about? Here's, here's food, here's over your head. You have everything you want. You should be grateful for, stop complaining. And, and that's how everybody would just shut down, right? All of us. And then, so, you know, when I, when the, I work with clients, you know, older, 40 plus, 50 plus, and when they've done the marriage thing, they've done the career thing, and the kids have moved about, and they have no idea what to do with their lives. And they begin to question, is this it? What am I doing here? So when I ask them, like, what brings you joy? It's like pulling teeth out. They cannot answer that question. They're like, what do you mean? I've never, I haven't asked that question for years. I never was asked to ask the question. So. And, and that's when, um, you know, we begin to really objectively begin to look at the reality of our lives. And, and we begin to go back to our beliefs that created that reality. And the normal, our normal uh, way of being is that when we don't like something in our lives, the mind is trained to look externally. 
We're like, okay, who created this? Whose fault is this? If somebody would only understand this or do this or do that way, they have to understand me. They have to agree with me. They have to make me feel better. Very seldom we ask the question, well, if you go with the concept that your outer reality mirrors your inner reality, then if you go back to the, you know, you go back within yourself, say, what are that behind every action and every behavior, behind the reality that we create in our lives, there's a belief system in operating, in operation. What belief system is there? We're not taught to do that, but that's where the answers are going to lie. So, um, and, you know, I always say that things work until they don't. <laughs> and <laughs> if, you know, when growth comes in a very organic way, when we are ready to grow, and it comes many times in the form of our intimate relationships, our close relationships, who begin to challenge the status quo, who begin to challenge um, or you know, show us the mirror of everything that we are not willing to take ownership of or take or acknowledge. So here's what happens when we are um, carrying these I've learned conditioning or learned beliefs from others. So there comes a time, you know, in our lives, I think if we're lucky and that we begin to get uncomfortable. It's like, I just, I'm constantly in a state of fear or anxiety or more often than not, I feel angry. And when you ask deeper and deeper, it's like, okay, where's the anger coming from? Well, it happens when this person comes over or that happens or this happens. And then it's like, this is what I feel, but I don't know how to have a conversation about it to my family members because they're just going to be shocked. And this is the point when we begin to wake up. And when we begin to stir and wake up, those who are still victims of any kind of conditioning will deem you crazy. Because remember that uh, familiarity is very comfortable. And um, so, you know, we, you know, if we are being a certain way, it really is very rewarding and reinforcing if someone is living the same way we are, because it validates ourselves, it validates our own beliefs, it validates our own way of living and way of being. Uh, so when we begin to, you know, when we begin to move or stir or become uncomfortable on the inside, what's, you know, so I think about, like, think about a belief system, like you're inside a box. And, you know, you're comfortable inside the box, you can move around a little bit. And then you're thinking that maybe, you know, I, there's a little hole in the box, and I'm going to look outside in the external world outside the box is looking kind of inviting and interesting and exciting. And you take that um, finding to, you know, other people who are in the box, they're like, no, you know, you really don't know. You really should stay in the box. It's much more stable, comfortable, supportive, and da, 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 da. So what they do, they don't expand the box. They make the box sturdier. They put another layer on the box. So now you're really stuck inside, but you don't know that. It's done very lovingly, very convincingly. 
And then you want to like, you're like, well, okay, I guess, you know, there's here are these hundred people in this box. They're fine. What the heck is my problem? I'll stick around here. And until, you know, when it, the, the thing about awakening is when we begin to wake up, it really doesn't stop. If you have paid attention to what you're waking up once, the chances are it's going to stir you or shake you up again a little bit more. So, and again, you you feel that stirring or that, you know, some transformation happening within where you're beginning to question and you go ask the question to the people inside the box, they're going to keep on making the box stronger. Now the box is made out of steel. No holes will be allowed. You can't dig a hole out of that. So sometimes the it you know the the weight of the box instead of the box carrying you you are beginning to carry the box. <laughs> it's like what am I doing? So now you're you know carrying the weight of those beliefs or those conditioning that now you are ready to let go of and give it back to whoever they belong to because they're not serving they're not matching up with the vibration that you are carrying today. So there, it, it produces this inner conflict. That inner conflict is no small thing. That inner conflict I have, you know, working with my clients, I have seen what it does. It wreaks havoc on their health. Um, this inner conflict produces this anger that People can't explain because the anger comes from having to obey the conditioning over and over and over again to maintain peace to the point where their inner being is feeling like feeling violated. It no longer resonates, but there's no, this doesn't seem to be any way out. So the, the pressure turns inward. Um, the anger becomes really intense. And, you know, as you know, the body holds all the emotions. One of the clients experienced aches and pains all over the intensity, but there was no other medical reason for any of the aches and pains. And so when you begin to feel that inner conflict, that's when, you know, there's a, there's a knowing, there's a stirring that something, something needs to shift. And if any of you, you know, you, you've come here for obviously something in this topic interested you, uh, something um, kind of made you feel like that you should attend this. So maybe there's a something in your life that is feeling uncomfortable. And that's how we begin to work to uncondition ourselves. So when something becomes uncomfortable, when something, an area of our life that is just not working, that's the time to look at that and seeing what is not, why is it not working? Why there is, um, you know, there's a jarring here, or I feel out of sync, or I feel out of sorts, or I feel like, um, you know, it just dims my light. It dims my light. I lose myself. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know my place in the, in the world, in this dynamic or in this family. What am I doing? When you begin to question, that's the time to know that there are beliefs that you are carrying that are no longer matching 
the vibration that you're holding today. And so that's the time to look at those beliefs and see that, you know, I need to upgrade or I need to update these beliefs. So there's nothing wrong with beliefs. We all have beliefs. We upgrade to a newer kind of belief. The point is what belief is going to serve your higher purpose? So, you know, we live in times where, you know, the world is undergoing such transformation. And I think that's one of the reasons why topics like that are um, interesting to people because here we have the old belief systems, the old behavior patterns, the old paradigm carrying the lower energy. So when I talk about lower and higher energy, remember everything is energy. Energy has vibration and frequency. So lower energy doesn't mean that you're a lower human being or higher energy doesn't mean you're a higher being. We're all equal. We all have many thoughts and feelings and behaviors. And it's up to us to make a choice to find the highest expression or the greatest expression for whatever it is that we are feeling. So, you know, the old beliefs, old limiting beliefs that are coming from the, you know, being in a third dimensional physical body on this planet Earth. And now we're moving into where there's a great shift happening. Energetically, our cells, we are getting upgraded at a cellular level. There's more light in our body, whether we, we don't even have to participate in it. We have to do nothing. They're just simply more light. We are being upgraded. So when you are being upgraded into a higher, the cellular structure is at higher vibration. The nervous system may be at the higher vibration. And when we are carrying the thoughts and beliefs that have the lower vibration, the match isn't there. And that's why so much is coming to surface because this is not a fit. And so, you know, in many ways, um, this is a difficult time for people who are, you know, 40 plus or even younger because we have been in the old paradigm, right? We've been in the old paradigm. We've been in where these beliefs at some point in time, they worked for us, this condition, the way we were conditioned, the way we were taught what's right and wrong. It's not all, it's not about good or bad. It, it worked at some point in time. And now we are asked to, you know, think in a whole different way. So, you know, it's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fear there. There's a lot of fear on how do I let go of what that what has been familiar and comforting, and how do I adapt, which feels really freeing but very scary at the same time. So that's the work to really understand that that feeling, that experience is very normal, is understanding how to continue to navigate and navigate through these experiences. So you know, my question to you would be is to just take a moment to ask yourself what, what, in what, what area of your life that things don't feel right to you. Remember when we're talking about cultural conditioning or societal conditioning, the reason why I put, you know, cultural conditioning, because every culture has different customs and different rights and wrongs and and, you know, and that cultural becomes a societal, then it becomes the norm. But I think when you really look across 
many cultures, there's just similarities. There are more similarities than not across the cultures. In a certain way, there are certain beliefs, there are certain things you do, there are certain things you don't do. And many cultures take pride in those beliefs. And, you know, I can tell you, like in the Indian culture, no, the Indians are very, very solid on their family values. And I, and, and I'm, you know, I, I must, like, I, that used to confuse me. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? Every person I know, they have family values. They care about their family. The families are close. They're not Indian. So it's just, you know, and then, and that's how, like, one culture believes that it is, you know, more important or higher than the other culture because, oh, we believe in the family values and your culture just does not. It's not a truth, okay? These are generalities. And that reminds me of like an example of a client who came in, a Mexican client who had health issues and one of the lifestyle was drinking every day. So I said, well, if we can, you know, it was like a lot of like, you know, my drink like a 24 pack. And I go like, let's go reduce it to 20 pack a week. 16, 14, whatever. So reducing it, reducing it. He goes, I, I, I'm Mexican. I grew up, my cousins, my fathers, my, my father, my cousins, my relatives on the beach, drinking and singing and being merry. I'm like, you are in Michigan. <laughs> and she goes, I'm Mexican. This is what we do. We drink every night. I'm like, it really is that a true statement? Does every Mexican sing every, like, you know, drink every night? It's not a true statement. He, because he's Mexican, he thought that he just figured that's life. You drink every night. You drink every night. You, this is how you celebrate life. This is how you enjoy. Um, like until it gives you all the health problems that you have. So there's a conditioning and the truth is i said i'm sure there are a lot of mexican people who don't drink every night i'm sure i can find some so it's just the belief so because he had that belief his habits um served that belief do you see how backward that is when we have limiting beliefs when we have beliefs that no longer serve us we our behaviors and our actions and our choices become such to feed that belief. So it's like the belief, the, the belief that needs to be really discarded and updated, we keep reinforcing it. It's like self-fulfilling. It's like, see, I told you, I believe that. So it's, you know, again, it's, it's thinking like, you know, remember the belief people had that earth was flat? Right? And it's like Earth was flat. And when they figured out, no, you know, Earth is round. I mean, there was so much backlash. There was so much um, like upheaval about that belief, that fact that actually is a fact that Earth is round. So, and so when, when we are, you know, anytime when I'm working with clients and making changes, it's not about, okay, you know, whether you're making changes, um, so, you know, just going back a little when it comes to our cultural or societal conditioning, it's about every aspect of our life. It's how do you approach health? How do you approach relationships? What are your beliefs about money? What are your beliefs about the world? 
you know, many times, like when it comes to just food, many of us are carrying that scarcity uh, mentality that, you know, world, you know, that we have to store food, store food, store food. So, and even though that's not true today. So we carrying on beliefs from a time period, that time period is no longer here. It's a different time period, but we carry on those beliefs. So anytime when we are looking to make changes, you know, that's why when we make changes like, oh, you know, change to your diet, like I eat poorly, I'm going to eat now better. So, do, you know, eat this, eat that, eat that, I'm going to do this. So people do this for a little while. And then they go back to the same old. And it's like, why, okay, oh, you know, self-sabotaging behavior. The self-sabotaging behavior is to feed into the belief that you're not gonna be healthy, give it up, or whatever the belief is. Or the food isn't gonna change you. Like you really don't have strong will. You don't have structure. You don't have discipline. You don't deserve to be well. Any number of beliefs that we don't even know we carry, but we keep, hankering after making the changes without taking into account that the, the behavior are a result of the beliefs that we are carrying. So it's no matter how much education you give people, how much information they have, until they change their beliefs, whatever changes they're making, they take a lot of effort and they um, are not, they're, they're temporary, they're not sustaining. But when we go back to our beliefs, like, oh, my belief is I don't deserve to be like really being healthy and really energetic and it's really for some people over there. It's just not in my genes. I mean, look at me, I'm overweight. Look at how my mom ate. Look at how my sisters ate. We just, we, we, we don't pay attention. You see the beliefs? So, and that's what causes pain and suffering. So when we think about, you know, the new paradigm or breaking the box, breaking that metal box that gets created where the weight of carrying is so much, the life just begins to suck and in a big way. So where is that box? It's inside our own minds, right? So when we talk about changing beliefs, many times it's a big step especially when you're living with people who are carrying on the same old belief system and the patterns and the conditioning. Like, who the heck are you? Who do you think you are to change for the better? If we are suffering, you can do the same. I lived this way. My mother-in-law did this. My father-in-law did this. And I'm so lenient with you and you're complaining. You know, you know that stuff. You, we all experienced it at one level or the other. So there's a, there's a fear. There's a fear of the new. There's a fear of judgment. There's a fear of kind of causing stir in the, you know, the kind of peaceful dynamic. And, you know, it's like one of my things that I told one of my clients, I go, you know, at a certain point, maintaining peace cannot be your highest aspiration. Right? You know, dead fish also maintain peace. They go with the flow. <laughs> There's a time we go with the flow. There's a time we raise help. There's a time where we stir stuff up. And that's how we grow. We don't grow with the same mold. We don't grow staying in the comfort zone. 
you know, growth is uncomfortable. Uh, changing the norm for the status quo is uncomfortable. We risk being judged. We risk being looked upon by our loved ones like what the heck is wrong with you? We risk that we may not be loved the same way. Or is it possible that when we change, somebody is at least saying, thank God you open your mouth. Now that gives me the opportunity to change because I've been feeling stifled under these conditions as well. I think the latter. And you know, one person growing, it creates a chain reaction you give an opportunity for the other person to grow, like grow up. It's called adulting, it's called being an adult. It's like, oh, I don't wanna hurt their feelings. I'm like, no, that's really not the reason. We can handle our feelings being hurt. The reason is you're afraid that they're gonna look at you in a different way and, and think that, you know, I don't know who you are anymore, you've changed. I said, yep, you're allowed to change. You can't be the same old. How possibly, I mean, even when you look at the times that are upon us, tell me if you are the same pre-COVID and post-COVID. I sure hope to God not. If after all of this hell that we've been going through, we haven't changed, then what the heck is going to take for us to shake out of our comfort zone? What is it going to take for us to stop hiding behind the conditioning, how, what is it going to take for us to wake up, step up, and rise up, meet the new world that we are hopefully collectively birthing? The world does not need people whose lights are dim. The world doesn't need unhappy people. When we are continuously carrying the burden of someone else's beliefs, then where are you? Where are you? Who are you? What are you all about? And, you know, it's uh, somebody, uh, I'm gonna read this to you. It's, it seems to be fitting. A friend of mine wrote this comment to me every now and then, you know, I get the counselor for many people I become. Uh, she said, what is the sudden rush of emptiness when everything seems to be going pretty well? Everything seems to be going pretty well, but I still feel empty. So this is my answer. I said, disconnect with self. The fulfillment never comes from everything going our way or getting everything. We want, because even when we get it, the emptiness remains as we mistakenly believe that it is by getting everything the way we want it would fill us up. The fulfillment comes from filling ourselves up by connecting and deepening our relationship with the self. How is that relevant to what I'm talking about here? When we talk about, it's not just to be rebellious. It's not just because I don't want to be like you. So I'm just going to, you know, be rebel against your beliefs. No, it's because whatever the beliefs you're carrying, they're not matching with what you are desiring to do. They're not matching with what, how you are thinking life, your life should be because it's not matching up. You're being stifled. It's not just to rebel. 
Okay. Some of the beliefs we are carrying, they're going to serve us for life because they're, you know, they, those are wonderful because they're still serving our growth. So when we begin to go inward and get to know ourselves and connect with the self, with the big S, anything that any, any beliefs or conditioning that comes in the way is going to uh, become very visible. More we connect with ourselves, we begin to think in a way that we may not have thought before. What's really important? What are you all about? What resonates with you? What do you do that makes you feel joyful, that makes you come to life? How do you want to be in a relationship that makes you feel that you are growing and so is the other person? How do you, what kind of a parent, what message do you want to give to your offsprings, your children, so they are not now carrying the generations and generations, old generations beliefs because you are bent, hell bent on holding on to them and stuffing them from your kids' throats. So when we begin to connect with the self, all of this kind of stuff that just jarring to the mind, you can't help but speak up about it. And that's when change happens, that's when transformation happens. Who's going to break us open? Who is going to break us away from this old conditioning and pattern? It's not, you know, people in the church or the temples. <laughs> it's not our parents. It's not our siblings. It's not our relatives. You are. We have to believe that we are our own authority. You have 100% right information to choose for yourself. It also means you have the 100% you're going to be. The consequences are yours. Doesn't that feel more like empowering that, oh, wow, I can, I can play with this thing called life. I'm going to try this, and I'm going to think in this way, and I'm going to experiment, and I'm going to you know, create a different me, and let me see how that feels. Does that feel expansive? Does that put a spring in your step? Does that feel like, make you feel like you can conquer the world? It makes you feel like, well, I don't know, let somebody else conquer the world. I'm just going to kind of hide on the couch and, you know, at least there are people here with me and they like me and they're, they're doing it so I can do it. It's your choice. Either way, it's good. And there's no judgment. You know, growth is very personal and it's very organic. There's no pressure or there's no judgment on, oh my God, you're still living this way? No, because, and you know, it's it just going to happen organically. When it becomes uncomfortable enough, when it's no longer okay, you'll begin to change. And who is to say when one should change? No one can say that. 
we are all here experiencing all that we need to experience. When we've really had that experience that our souls have designed for us to experience, then it's like, okay, been there, done that. I think that I need to move on. I don't think that the feeling or thinking about this or doing this just doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't light my fire. So, you know, I'm free to now choose to create a different realm of thought, of patterns, of behavior, so that in turn can create a reality and create my future. So there's a lot of promise in change. And how we direct the energy of change is by our actions. The energy of change is here. What we do with it, it will guide our future. It'll create the future that we want to create and that we are meant to create. So um, what else? What else can I can say about this topic? Um, So I think maybe at this point, like, you know, if we have more time, I'll walk you through an exercise if it comes from. So at this point, maybe I think that you can, um, if you're okay with it, unmute yourselves. If you have a thought, a question, a comment, or a takeaway, um, I would love to hear that. You know, the old saying was, I have to see it to believe it. Yeah. What I'm suggesting is, you have to believe it if you want to see it. Yeah. And a higher purpose is always from your perspective. So an example would be, I am now on the, I live on a 17th floor in a condominium. If, and I lived on the ground floor too in a home in Milford. So there I see, you know, I could smell the garbage and, uh, you know, cats and raccoons, whatever, fighting at nighttime. Now on the 17th floor, I've never been so close to the stars and the moons and the moon. I'd like more than one moon. moon. And the expansive view that I get is just was not possible on the first floor. So when I was living on the first floor, I still, my higher purpose was that's all I knew. It's all relative. When I come to the 17th floor, the relative, it, the, the, the expansion, again, it is no comparison to being on the first floor. It's shifting your perspective, but it's all really relative. The old belief also is carrying a purpose. When you are in the old belief, you believe that to be the higher purpose, but there's no end to getting higher, 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 just like there's no end to becoming more con conscious. There's no end point. So it all becomes relative that when we grow, when our beliefs change, our higher purpose becomes a different kind of a higher, a new higher. Does that make sense? Yep, thank you. Great, thank you. Anyone else? Um, you know, Mina, I was, I was thinking about the changes that happened within the last year or so. And one of the things that I was thinking was the incident with George Floyd that changed the 
United States belief in shook people. So it goes back into conditioning. Uh -huh. You see a um, young black man put with a hood on walking and you're like, hmm, I wanna walk away from it. You see a black young man um, loud and you're like, wow, I wanna walk away from it. You're, you were conditioned to see a certain thing. Now, you're, you were conditioned to, to think of certain culture a certain way. Then when um, the incident with George Floyd happened, it made, when I, it made us realize that it brought the ugliness of what we are looking at and it's not right, we should look beyond it. And that is what caused people to start walking outside and go and, and join uh, silent demonstrations. In the, this was the first time in the United States world of United States that it's a white, um, black, Asian, uh, Mexican, Persian, American, all cultures, all backgrounds walking hand in hand and saying the same thing that, that you know, we don't want this. We don't want, we don't want this, this condition mm -hmm. any, anymore. We don't want to see this anymore. We, we want to change this. The, that was the change that I noticed when you were talking about the conditions that we are, you know, you learn to see certain thing a certain way because it was told to you to, it, this is how it's supposed to be. And we were allowed to change that in us. And it would be nice to continue with that and, and start seeing differences in people. And I appreciate those differences. Yeah, me too. And I think it's going to continue. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think the world is going to change in so many wonderful ways that we've never had that kind of world before when it comes to social justice and all the social systems. Unfortunately, the humanity is paying a big price for that change, right, through the spread of the disease. But yeah, absolutely, that's, these are the positive changes that are happening because when you look at, you know, when you look at, look through the eyes of the heart, it sees no boundaries. It sees no difference. I mean, look at just, you know, 15, 16 people that are here. There are many, many different cultures. We somehow, you know, speak the same language because whatever I said today, I don't think it's foreign to any one of you. So the heart knows no bounds, no difference. The heart doesn't see the color of the skin or what somebody's wearing or how much money somebody's making or what race of society they come from. We are moving into the world which is going to be more heart-centered because that's what's going to bring the equality and the unity. Heart just wants to unite. And now we're coming to, I mean, look at what we're discussing. We're openly and freely able to speak about this. A few years ago, we were not able to because we didn't know how somebody was going to take us. If somebody was, if things were going to get too out of hand or volatile, 
So you see the progress that we're making? We are making huge progress in how we are being. And unfortunately, it took COVID to make this kind of change. And, you know, there's a price to be paid. I mean, we're losing so many people. So many people are suffering. That's the price. So we can't take the changes that are happening for granted or think that it's not a big deal because they have costed us. What a growth. You know, we have to remember this. Yep. I want to uh, bring up an issue that I'm reminded of that gives me uh, a problem. I mean, it rankles me. And that is the whole cultural practice of saving face. And uh, I have been raised as an American to be straight with somebody, you know, tell the truth uh, kindly if necessary, but don't hide it. And I was brought face to face with this in a TV drama I was watching called Stitzel. And it was about a Jewish uh, Orthodox community in Jerusalem. And these people never told the truth. <laughs> and I, I guess I, I stopped watching it because I didn't like any of them anymore. And I don't know what's behind this kind of cultural conditioning where you don't say what's really happening because you want to save face. If you could lend me Yeah, some there's a, you know, there's, there's guilt and shame. There's a guilt for, um, there's a guilt for being different and speaking the truth or speaking your truth because then you feel like, oh, you're being selfish. You can be called selfish or self-centered. Then there's a shame of from the, you know, there's enough members of the clan who will shame you. But like I said, mm -hmm. truth shall set you free. <laughs> and when we speak the truth, the conversation is over. The conversation is really, really over. And, uh, you know, it happens in families, it happens in cultures, and I've experienced it more times than one. Or what will they say? And I wish that they didn't do it because they're trying to save face caused actually more problems than solved anything. So it's a fear of being judgment. It's just that we, we have a little ego and the ego says, well, I got to fit in. I got to somebody has to say, you know, it's a, you know, it's the same thing. Like we, you know, we don't want people to see us without makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or we don't want people to see our gray hair or we don't want to say, oh, you know what, really, you know, look at, you know, you have no idea what the heck I'm wearing, you know, you know, my legs. Like we don't want people to know, but what the heck is there to hide? We're all the same. So don't buy into that. And it's just fear. Fear mm -hmm. judgment is such a big deal. Judgment for people is such a big deal. Being accepted and acknowledged and fitting in is such a big deal. But I just think that we're at that age where I'm sorry, fitting in is not my priority. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a, yeah, I did a talk on food one time. There was a 60 plus woman. She goes, well, you know, I was talking about alcohol. She goes, 
well, how do we fit in? I looked at her straight in the face and I go, at this age, we don't care to fit in. <laughs> I want to fit in when I'm 10 years old. I don't care to fit in. We need people who are willing to speak up because those are happy people. Happy people make other people happy. You know, trying to do the status quo and, you know, like we don't want to stir shit up. It's like really sometimes the shit needs to be stirred up. Mm -hmm. Oh, what's really underneath it, the beauty of humanity can come forth. We can't keep hiding behind other people's beliefs and conditioning and think, well, you know what? It's just, let's just go eat our food and watch TV and talk about this and that and just it's call it a day, another day. No, we can't afford to do that. The human life is too precious. Your inner soul, what you are aspiring here to be, the gifts that you have to share with this world, it is far too important for you to be hidden behind saving a face. We have to wake up. We have to know that you are your own authority. And I think your being vulnerable is your ultimate weapon, shield. I did a podcast on vulnerability that you should listen to. It's really being vulnerable is your ultimate shield. It's like clients will come to me and they tell me like 10 gazillion issues. And they're like, oh, it really is okay. I'm like, are you kidding me? This sucks. Okay? Life isn't okay right now. That's why you're here. It's like, you know, they want to say like, you know, I don't know what it is in people. Like I'm real, like, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm just not happy right now. I don't like this right now. My life isn't good right now. Or I don't want to, I don't, I don't buy into this anymore. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to carry your own emotions and anger and see through them and allow them to give you the intelligence that they are trying to give you. We mm -hmm. can keep on putting a lid on things and, you know, covering is that box metallic. Now you can, there's no hole. You can't even dig a hole. You can't even dig out of it. There's no reason to, you know, get out outrageous outrage and angry. I just say, just look at the entire situation. And really many times it has nothing to really do with other people. Actually, it doesn't. It's whatever work that I'm, whatever I'm talking about, it's really in your mindset. The changes need to happen in the mind within your own self. It doesn't mean you have to leave the family, leave the relationship or change anything. It's how you begin to view something. You change your perspective. You begin to look outside the box. You offer that expanded perspective. And then those who are living around you, they're like, wow, thank you. So, you know, it's like you gave me the opportunity to think beyond what I was thinking before. So it's not, a, it's not about, you know, being volatile or, you know, or disrupting the status quo in a way that you can't handle it. But, you know, like, so it's like when you, when you really take ownership of your own truth, when you bring into the heart all parts and pieces of yourself, which you have abandoned because you, did, you took on somebody else's assumptions and beliefs, the change is about uniting with those pieces and parts of yourself so you become one. So you have the confidence saying, you know, this really does not ring true for me. 
And when you speak your truth to other person, you're simply stating the fact. You're not attacking their belief system. You're not putting them down. You're just saying, you know, this made me feel that way. That's it. They don't have to fix it. They don't have to like it. They don't have to dislike it. There's nothing. You just, you're comfortable with your truth and you just simply state it. That's vulnerability. You know, Mina, it reminds me of uh, Michael Jackson's song, <laughs> Man in the Mirror. Oh, really? Right. You know, that, you know, it starts from you. Starts so, from you. Starts from you. Right. Yeah. You know, Mina, in one of your, one of your podcasts, you talked about, you said, you said that you woke up and you were trying to, you know, put a, put your clothes, um, you know, um, figure out what you wanted to wear for the, for the podcast. And you had your, your clothes on and you had your earrings on and you couldn't find the, the necklace that matched the earrings and the clothes that you wore. And then, and then you're like, you know what, why am I doing this? You know, I'm just gonna look at, see what is it that, that speaks to me today? What necklace speaks to me today? And you put that on and it actually made you happy, brought you joy because it made you, it made you realize, reminded you of it, of who gave you this and, uh, and the situation and made you- Oh, happy. that's right, yeah. Right? Yeah. right? So I did that the other day and uh, you know, it's like, okay, where, I'm gonna look in here and see what brings me joy. <laughs> and the whole day, the necklace that I had, I was with my sister the whole day. Uh -huh. Oh, wonderful. So, you know, little things like this in life that especially when, you know, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like work is just busy, life is busy, you know, for some reason, all of a sudden, you know, there's just, you know, you, you, you just don't want to turn the TV on anymore. Mm -hmm. And then little things like this, that as Mansoor is, you're saying that you want to, you're looking for things to bring joy for people, little things that like what you said, look around you and see, okay, what, what in your around you that this morning, if you you know, wear it or look at it or smell it or, or, you know, be with makes your day. Yeah, exactly. It's a simple thing. It's, you know, that's beautiful example that you get what brings you joy. Remember, I mentioned that we're not taught, we're not groomed to find our joy. It's something that we discover when we, you know, become a certain age. So it really is what puts, you know, it's a very simple thing. What makes you feel just a tiny little thing? Like you pick those yellow flowers, you know, it just put a smile. It's not an earth shaking thing. It just puts a smile on your face. And that day when I was, you know, putting Julie on nothing, it didn't match. I'm like, I'm doing the podcast on conditioning. So knock it off. Wear things that are just not matching. Like who the heck cares? Who said things have to match? Right. So it's just really, I think now it's such an extraordinary time that we really can give ourselves permission to be our true authentic self. And I think that's going to serve the world better. And it's going to serve those who are, who we are surrounded by better. We're moving into creativity and creative time. And, you know, it's just such a food for the soul. Your soul needs to be happy. You're, you know, we need happy people because, you know, the, these times have reminded us how precious each day really is. And we're not here to do some big things. It's the small things that we can do. 
It's just feeling the sunshine on your face, having that sip of tea and just really savoring it and saying, oh my God, just a simple thing just makes me feel so good. The comfort of your bed. And it's catchy too. Yeah, it's catchy. It's simple things. It's one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. So you, there you go. And now you're going over there. This is fun. This feels joyful. This puts a smile on your face. This makes you happy. And it just, it's a vibration then just catches on. It's really actually very simple, but it's very powerful. And, you know, sometimes we are, we are also conditioned to be, you know, be like kind of miserable, like conditioned to have something to complain about. Like if you don't have anything to complain about, what conversation are we going to have? You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's just really the antenna. Sure, there's plenty to complain about, but why bother? Because when you find something to be joyful about, you have the energy to do something about that which you want to complain. So now then you won't have anything to complain. You can actually change it. You can bring a change to it. So again, we have a lot of these mental addictions and mental conditioning because we never thought that we could actually be just joyful with simple things and we can be. So, yeah. Very good. Thank you, Mina. Thank you. So yeah, Keith, you know, I hope that this uh, was, you know, put a dent somewhere and I'm sure that it did. So really this is the time to find your joy, follow your bliss. And um, that's how we're gonna bring about the change. <laughs>